pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked, and it, it is up. going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Eat your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Getting ready for a schedule release this week, but we also have some other Saints news. Uh, according, you know, getting maybe a tight end signed and number changes still happening. And we'll be previewing our takes on the roster and what we who we think will end up making it onto this team with a rookie minicamp coming up at the end of the week. Football is back, Jeff. Yes, <laughs> yes. I see where you're going with there. Well, so what we're going to be going through is our, I did a way too early 53-man roster projection. I like to do one after the draft prior to rookie minicamp, prior to all the OTAs and everything, just to have a baseline of what we're working off of. It skews heavily toward the veterans. But I did have I do have one UDFA that I'm already plugging into the roster and one draft pick that I am dropping to the practice squad. Oh, okay. Which is not unusual. I mean, it it's it, it ha- I mean, Jordan Jackson and got cut last year. It's not that crazy, but we're gonna go through that. So we're gonna the second segment here, we're gonna go through the offensive side of the equation. The third segment, we're gonna go through the defensive side of the equation and kind of just look at where things stand and where they're gonna go. A way too early roster projection, at least, is better than a way too early 2024 NFL mock, mock draft. draft that I saw a yeah. Shea do. Not interested. No, not at all. <laughs> not interested in that game. Um, but first, let's go through some news and notes in this opening segment. The first you alluded to, Foster Morrow. This is a report from Brooke Kirchhoff for WWL, and I guess she moonlights as a podcast host at Football now, which is good for her. Happy to see that. She reported that Foster Morrow has received an offer from the Saints. I don't know if this was a standing offer, if it's just kind of been there the whole time. And it's like, whenever you're healthy, this is here. That's yeah. probably what it is because he's dealing with cancer. Obviously the Hodgkin's lymphoma is getting treated. It was discovered during his physical with the Saints. So obviously they were close to signing him to begin with, but he had already done a physical with, I believe the Bengals the previous day. So there is interest in his services whenever he is ready to return to the NFL. But I think that does kind of indicate that the Saints, you know, if he's ready to get back on the field, they're happy to have him, which kind of seemed like the case all along. Yeah, although the biggest surprise to me, I guess, was that the offer, the Saints are still have that offer extended to him. Curious to know, obviously, his health situation on when exactly he could be ready to play football, dealing with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And and then the other one was, it's he's also considering other offers. And it's like, oh, hey, I thought... Don't you want to come back and be reunited with Derek Carr? Yeah, it's going to be something to watch. I don't think he's going to be ready for camp. I don't think – who knows if he'll be ready for the season. So it's probably kind of just a, okay, let's wait and see what happens. And if he does pick a deal and say, hey, I want to go here, it's going to go through another physical, and they'll get another chance to look at it and say, okay, you're all set. By the way, if you hear any, like, hard rain or thunder, it's because it's been pouring at my house all day. I just got a flood warning, so – Hopefully the car is still above water by the time I go outside, but 
out just, in the burbs of Metri here. It's uh, we got some sun- thunder and it hasn't been coming down yet. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll get it. You'll get it. But all right. So we went through the numbers in the last episode, and there is one number that we did not get to that changed in the last couple of days. And I think it's notable for a couple of reasons. One, it's Rashid Shahid. He wore 89 last year. He is going to wear 22 in his sophomore season, his second NFL season, which is an unusual wide receiver number to begin with. I can't think of another wide receiver that wears 22. It's almost exclusively a running back number. And so that'll be kind of interesting to see him run around in. But also, I think it is a pretty strong indicator that Mark Ingram is not coming back to this roster. He wore 22 last year. Obviously, C.J. Gardner-Johnson wore it before him. So theoretically, Mark could come back and wear five like he did. He could wear 14 again. Actually, Jake Hayner's wearing 14, so not really. But I don't think that you would have given his number away if you were if you kind of had him on the short list of players you were going to bring in. Because you still have five roster spots available, if my math is correct. You think they have 85 people under contract. So I do think that's a pretty clear indicator that he is not going to be back. And that's also true of Jonathan Abram is wearing number 24. That was Dwayne Washington's number. He has had that for several seasons. And if you were planning on bringing Dwayne back, another guy who's out there as a free agent, I don't think you would have given his number away. So I think that's a pretty good sign that neither of those running backs is coming back to this roster. Yeah, unfortunately, we saw Dwayne dealing with migraine headaches last year which took him out the lineup and haven't heard any more news on him did see something recently jeff with uh ingram he's going to actually be taking part in the nfl network's coverage of the schedule release so maybe we're seeing that transition from on the field to into broadcasting for him who knows yeah i mean he's done that regardless so i don't know if yeah. that's necessarily kind of a smoking gun there like he's been doing the podcast with cam for a while he's kind of like cam in that sense like They've both been kind of setting up their post-NFL careers for the last five years. So who knows? I think he is, if he's not ready to retire now, he might be one kind of ring-chasing season away, right? Like I could see him latching on with Buffalo, right? Like a team that is going to be a Super Bowl contender for sure and maybe show up mid-season, right? The way Latavius Murray did with the Broncos last year. I think he's probably keeping his options open for that, but I just don't think it's going to be the Saints. Either way, it's going to be something to watch. A couple other things to note. Sage Doxtater has been signed back to the Saints roster for this offseason. He was a UDFA from last year. Obviously, he got cut. He was in the XFL. Several of the Saints UDFAs from last year like starred in the XFL uh, this past season. So uh, it's a good kind of sign that they're, that they're finding the right talent out there. And it's just a matter of having a roster spot available. But again, like I did in the roster projects I'm going to go through, I only have one UDFA that I think is I'm confident in is going to really push to make the roster. So we'll have to see. But have you been watching any guy the XFL games at all? I've watched a couple XFL games. For some reason, I always end up watching um, Orlando, which I don't know why. Like every time I it shows up, like I see it on the TV, it's Orlando playing. And I only know because it's that Quentin Dormati guy who apparently gave away the playbook and got cut, but he's back. I don't get it. Um, but either way, I do appreciate one thing about it. They have fans? No, because they don't have fans. Oh, they don't? I mean, maybe. Like, not enough to fill I'm a stadium. I'm just saying, because to me, the biggest thing with the USFL games is how empty this the stadium is. And it's like, why are you even doing this? Yeah, I don't I don't know either. Um, but, no, it's it's that they mic up the play callers. Oh, okay. So, like, you, like they, they'll, they'll pan up during an NFL game. Like, they'll show you 
the offensive coordinator sitting in the booth on yeah. talking on the headset and calling plays, but they won't let you hear what they're saying. And the XFL, you actually hear the play call and they're like, Oh, 26 wheel. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, the running back's on a wheel route and he tries to throw to him. And it's kind of interesting because you know what the play is supposed to be. Right. So you can see when they screw it up and you can see who screwed it up. Right. Like there was one point where they ran the, they ran a wheel route and he was open and they missed him and they ran it and it was like, okay, same play. And they ran it again and he missed him again. And I was like, <laughs> okay, now it's the quarterback's fault. Right. Cause it's like, you got to make that throw. It's just kind of fun. And that's like one of the only things that I think is kind of unique about it where, where you would actually have a good reason to go watch it. But I think it's a better product than the USFL personally. Yeah, that's what I, I I haven't seen enough of either, I guess, to rate the on-field action. But both to me are obviously clearly way, way steps behind the NFL. And like I said, with the USFL for me, seeing five people in the in the stands is just so demoralizing. It's like, what what are these guys doing here? They should do like the fake fans again, like the cutouts and just put them in there. <laughs> like they're during COVID. It's it's all played a lot slower. Like the pace of play is a lot slower. You don't feel like they can run a two minute drill, right? Like there are points during an NFL game where you see a guy get it. They see a team get the ball back down four with two and a half minutes left, and you're like, too much time, too much time. If that happens in the XFL, you're like, this game's over because <laughs> uh, they just can't they can't execute that way. But yeah, I mean, I think it's good for the NFL and NFL players who are fringe roster candidates to have somewhere where they can improve, right? Where they can play real football. Because it it is a league very much where either you're good enough when you get there as a rookie to be developed into a starting caliber player, or you're not. You very rarely in the NFL see a player who does not get any playing time in his first three, four seasons suddenly becomes a quality player. Like that will happen in the NBA. I just watched Lonnie Walker go off in the fourth quarter beating the Warriors. And I was like, who the heck is Lonnie Walker? (laughs) Well, he's a guy who's been developing, right? Like he's been playing in moments in garbage time and he's been getting his chances. And then, okay, he gets out there and suddenly you're like, oh, wow, this guy can go. You don't see that in the NFL. Like Caden Ellis' story is rare. And uh, yeah, so I I think that's something to that, that you, that is worth keeping around, but we still haven't seen like that, xfl success story right like we haven't seen that usfl success story really where someone was kind of just cast off dominated in that league and came back and was good not great like a like a pro bowl caliber player in the nfl we haven't seen that yet and i think until that happens you're not going to get a ton of buy-in from fans from the league the nfl rather because at that point it's basically just entertainment it's not a farm system, if you will. Yeah, my, my biggest thing, and I, I keep harping on it, which is just the location for the USFL is two, three stadiums that they're in now. I guess that at least expanded a little bit from last season, but until the, the breakers are 4-0 right now and no one cares, and that's because they don't play in New Orleans. Yeah, you texted me the, the, the other day. If breakers are 4-0, I didn't even respond. <laughs> I know, I was like, oh, he really doesn't it. care. I saw it. I was like, I could respond to this, but I'm not going to. It's not <laughs> worth my time. You could have told me that the Phillies are on a three-game winning streak. I also don't care about that. Right. Which actually they're not because they, they they lost the first two games of that series to the Red Sox, who I'm paying attention to suddenly because they won like eight games in a row. But yeah, so just to, just to kind of loop back around here, 
The stuff we are waiting on this week, we are still waiting on. We have not gotten any leaked games out of the schedule. I was ex- anticipating the international slate to get released a little early as of we're recording this podcast about 3 p.m. on Tuesday. It has not been released. There's obviously a chance that by the time you listen to this, maybe there has been some reporting. But right now, we still don't know whether the Saints are actually playing in Germany. There was reporting that it was, but we will find out on Wednesday, theoretically, if they are, that's when the international schedule is supposed to be released. And then the full schedule is set to be released on Thursday, which we will have an episode that comes out after that to kind of react to it. I'm going to do my typical predictions. And then I think we can do a live stream where just, we just go through that right. um, game by game. And that'll hopefully be the Friday episode, assuming it's all out early enough to do that. That's the only question is if for whatever reason, for the first time ever in NFL history, the schedule does not get leaked in advance, which I don't anticipate, but that's something to keep in mind. No, uh, also getting uh, put out on Wednesday's NFL schedule release with the international games, the brand new Black Friday game, which will, you know, the NFL just taking over every day of the week. Black Friday, yeah. Who, who was out there like begging for a Black Friday football game? I, I don't know, but it's, it's, I know it's going to be on Amazon Prime. That's about it. I would, if I had to pick between the Saints playing on Thanksgiving or the Saints playing on Black Friday, I would, I would take Black Friday, if I'm being honest, because at least then, like, I don't have to deal with it on Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, it's, it definitely feels more intrusive on a Thanksgiving when it's great to be watching football that day, but yeah, not to be working. Well, it sucks for the road team, right? Because you're not traveling on Friday. So that means whatever team is on the road for that game doesn't even get the the kind of clout of playing on Thanksgiving, but still doesn't get to celebrate Thanksgiving with their family. So it's kind of like I, I would hate to be the road team in that Black Friday game because that means you're probably tra- you're either traveling on Thanksgiving Day, which kind of sucks, yeah, or you are traveling on Wednesday and you are in another city for Thanksgiving, which still kind of sucks. So like it's the NFL, man, they're going to make money on it. So they'll do it, but it's just, it's going to be a bad product. I guarantee it. It's going to be, this game is going to be bad. Just like the Thursday games are bad. We'll see. I'm I'm sure they'll try to highlight it maybe with some of their top teams, but I don't know, man, which what the NFL has a plan for, you know, that world dominance and it's really doing that. And you know what, during the, the COVID times, they had to move a few games, and we had what was it? We had Tuesday football or Wednesday, Wednesday games, football? some yeah. Tuesday games. Yeah, they probably were like, "Oh, <laughs> I think it is a good a good observation." They probably went through that season and were like, "Man, we could have football any day of the week, and people will watch it." And then it's like, "Why do we only play on Sundays?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it's it feels like it's only a matter of time before we have like Wednesday through Sunday is football. Like you just have like Wednesday night football, Thursday night football, Friday night football, Saturday night football, Sunday night football, and then the rest is on Sunday. <laughs> you think they they entrench on that Saturday territory? I mean, why not, right? They probably wouldn't compete with with college until the end of the season, but like that's the, the end of the college schedule ends prior to the NFL schedule ending, so they they, they do that anyway. Yeah, I was gonna say um, they do have some Saturday games yeah, later on at the, year. the end of the season after right, right. college is over. Although they are gonna have to contend with more college football playoff games with the twelve team format than they have in the past, because that's gonna mess with Super Wildcard Weekend. So that is essentially gonna be what that is. Like you're gonna have, I think the semifinals will be Thursday, Friday, and then the will be the Super Wildcard Weekend, which will be Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So it's like 
I don't like it personally, but no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for, yeah, next year we'll be like, oh, they're going to try out the Tuesday game. Uh, you know, so that's, it, it's going to be, I don't know if the NFL can get to that point where you're oversaturated. We had this conversation a little bit before getting on air just about Star Wars and Marvel stuff, which I think has been, you know, too, just, yeah, too much of it has. And I just don't know if the NFL, you can get to that point where there's just, the fans are like, oh, I can't, I can't take another game tonight kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think at this point, here, the, the, the uh, CBA is preventing them from doing anything too drastic. But I'm sure the next time they negotiate, you're going to try to work. Like the last CBA, one of the hangups was, oh, we're going to go to a 17-game schedule. And everyone was like, I hate this, but we have to accept it to get a lot of stuff through. And I'm sure like Wednesday Night Football will be the next thing. And they try to push that through. And it's like, well, we have to do it. Friday Night Football, we have to do it. And it just feels like, too, we're waiting on that 18-game schedule to make it even, and maybe they add in an extra bye week. I don't know. All I know is there there will never be less football. There will only be more. It's like inflation. It's like it never goes down. A Big Mac never gets cheaper. It only gets more expensive. It's the same way for football. I mean, yeah, let's let's end on that. I think that's a good place to end this segment of Inside Black and Go. We're going to come back and we're going to go through the offensive side of our way too early 53-man roster projection. Stick around for that. 